Today's reading comes from Romans 1, 24 through 32. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is forever blessed. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, when I was living in St. Louis, I was, uh, I was once driving uh, down the, the main highway that cuts east-west uh, across the city when I, when I stumbled into this bizarre scene. There was about a half dozen cars facing every different direction at a complete stop scattered across the road. There was tire smoke still in the air and people getting out of their cars with this confused, disoriented look on their faces. Uh, I, I had no clue what was going on, but I immediately could tell uh, that something had gone wrong here. Uh, it turns out, found out later, that uh, someone who was being chased by the police had just zipped down an off-ramp and had driven the wrong way, straight through the middle of traffic, through the highway to try to get away. You know, I think that scene that I stumbled into, I think that's how we experience life at times. I think we, we have all had plenty of moments in life where like me driving down the road on that highway, we can immediately tell something is wrong here. This is not the way that things are meant to go. Something feels like it's, it's going against the natural direction of how our lives and our world should work. Something that's left chaos behind it. So, something that, that turns our lives every which way. Something that we're still trying to figure out just what happened. And, and these verses here from the Apostle Paul can help us with that. Uh, th this, is, um, this is a hard passage that we're looking at today. 
Uh, it's one that I'm guessing you probably didn't wake up today just hoping to hear. I'll be, you know, cards on the table of all the passages that we'll be preaching through in the book of Romans. This was not one that I was like, man, I just hope above everything else that I get assigned this one to preach. But I think there's, I think there's a part of us that also really wants to hear what Paul has to say in these words. You see, Paul in this passage, he, he's helping us understand that intuitive sense that we, that we all have had it plenty of times in life that, that something is not right. In my life, in our world, something's gone wrong. Only the way Paul describes it uh, is a little bit less like that scene that I stumbled onto and, and a little bit more like this picture. Uh, th this picture here, th this is from an Orthodox church cathedral in Ukraine. Uh, the, the church was built uh, around 250 years ago as this amazing piece of art. You know, every part of it was, was meticulously thought out. It, it was full of, of color and life and beauty everywhere that you looked in it. Now, even, even if you're not someone today you with us who would call yourself religious, you, you can't deny it when you're in it. This thing was a masterpiece. And about two months ago, it got hit by a missile. And now, when you look at that picture, you can see the original beauty it was created in. You can, you can maybe even connect the dots in your head of what it, what it first looked like when it was made. But you can't help but notice that a bomb's gone off. Paul, in this passage, is saying when you and I, when we look at our lives, when we look at our world, we can see the original beauty that it was created in. Maybe we can even finish some of the picture in our head of, of what us in this world was all originally first made like. But when we look at the way that, that we relate to one another, when we look at the wounds that we carry, the wounds that people we love carry, the, the wounds that other people carry because of us, we can't help but notice that a bomb's gone off. And we're all doing life in the rubble together. So what's the bomb? And who can repair the damage that it's done? Well, Paul's going to tell us. Uh, he's going to show us in this passage three things that are going to help us understand this. What's gone wrong? where we feel it, and who can make it right. So first, Paul helps us understand what's gone wrong. You know, if I were to just ask you, <clears throat> you know, what's the reason? What, what do you think is the reason for the brokenness and the pain in our world? I'm sure we could spend a lot of time listing off a, a lot of different things. And there'd be truth to a lot of those. But they'd, they'd just be scratching the surface 
I think what we all really are after is someone who can take us deeper, someone who can help us get way down to the root of the issue. And that's right where Paul goes. And it's something that <clears throat> runs through the heart of all of us. In verse 25, Paul says, they, they meaning everyone, you, me, everyone who's ever lived, they exchanged <clears throat> the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served, created things rather than the creator. Right? Paul, Paul is saying here, we can trace what's gone wrong with our world all the way down to us exchanging a truth for a lie. So what's the true thing? The truth is this. The ultimate place I was made to get life and love is from God. You know, other, other people, other things, they can give us glimpses of those. But we were made to ultimately find them from a good and gracious God whose desire is to continually surprise us with a love that is better than life. That's the truth. Here's the lie that we put in its place. The ultimate place I will find life and love are from good things that God's made. They, they don't just give me glimpses of what I want. They, they, they can give me the whole picture. In fact, they can show me parts of the picture that God can't. They can give me a life and a love that I can't find anywhere else. Paul is, he's saying here the, the root of every place of brokenness that, that you and I see in our world, in our lives, all comes down to us swapping out the truth for a lie. Of us thinking, God's not enough. He's not going to give me the life and love that, that I want or need, so I've got to go find it someplace else. I've got to wrap my heart around something else. I've got to give some good thing that God's made my ultimate attention, affection, devotion, love. You know, when we look at our world and ourselves, we can see the original beauty that it was all created in, but we can't help but notice that a bomb's gone off. And what's that bomb? We've moved on from God. We've wrapped our hearts around good things God's made instead of a good God who's made us. And we all do it. You know, on your, on your iPhone, if you go into screen time, <clears throat> you can see a ranking of all the apps that you've used the most over the last week. It's basically just showing you, hey, over this last week, here are the things that got your attention the most. Uh, so I looked at mine, and here, here were the top five apps that I used over this last week. Messages, Safari, Spotify, Maps, because I get lost everywhere, uh, and NBC Sports for 12 minutes, uh, because apparently all that it takes for my favorite soccer team to start losing right now is about 12 minutes, and then I turn the game off. I wonder, though, I wonder if, if 
we could have a screen time for our hearts, if we could look, even just over this last week, at the things that, that captured our heart's attention, the things that, that we just we drift to when we daydream, the things that we can't lose, that we have to have, the things that are, that are constantly clamoring for our heart's worship, what would they be? Work? Romance? Money? Security? Reputation? Sex? Keeping the religious rules? You know, when, when we don't think that God, brimming with goodness and grace, is enough for us anymore, but where do our hearts go? Where do we take the worship and trust that he alone deserves? Where do we bring our, our brokenness, our disappointments, our pain, our failure, our sin, thinking this will be the place that will finally give me the relief and acceptance and healing and freedom, the life and love that I want. Because Paul is saying whatever that is, Whatever that is for you, whatever that is for me, it is what lies at the root of everything that is broken in this world. And we all do it. So that's what went wrong. But second, where do we feel it? Where, where do we feel the impact of us all wrapping our hearts around something other than a, than a good and gracious God who has made us. Well, Paul emphasizes one in this passage that may have just made you tense up in your body when it was read. Sex. Now, maybe you're here with kids today. Uh, maybe you're you've been hurt by how other Christians have tried to talk to you about sex. Maybe you've been hurt by how other people have abused sex. I know that th this is a hard topic to approach. I think we could all agree, though, sex is a powerful part of our life. So much so that I don't, I don't think in one sense we're really surprised that Paul names it here as a place where we feel the impact of humanity giving our hearts to lesser things than a generous and loving God. But Paul doesn't just talk about sex in general. He talks about same sex in particular here. And now you might be thinking, here we go. We talk a lot at LBC about this being a place where the welcoming heart of Jesus gets shown to everyone who comes through these doors. Here's the time, though. Here's the moment where, where the person up front on stage with the microphone is going to look down their nose at somebody. No. No, we're all sexually broken. We've all sexually sinned. Or, or maybe to put it another way, none of us are as sexually whole as Jesus desires us to be. 
You know, Paul's writing this passage in the context of a wider section in the book of Romans that essentially says all of us need all of Jesus all the time. But others of us might be thinking, finally. Finally, our church is going to take a stand and let everybody out there know what we think. No. No. We're not going to do that either. We're going to talk about what these verses say. We're just going to talk about them like Paul does. Who started this letter off by saying Paul, an apostle, which means messenger of Jesus. Not Paul, messenger of any particular side of our American culture war right now. No, Paul wrote these verses to show all of us hear something about the beauty and glory of Jesus in the gospel. So now there, there's, I mean, there's a whole lot more that, um, that we could say about this topic, uh, much more than there is time left in this sermon. So maybe this would be a helpful place to start. Uh, God, he's not embarrassed by sex. Uh, God, he, he doesn't blush when a husband and wife have sex. He made it. And in the Bible, he, he actually tells husbands and wives to, to fully enjoy each other's bodies. But sex is never just sex for God. It, it is something profoundly meaningful to him. God designed sex to be enjoyed in marriage by husbands and wives for celebrating life and making children and for passionately celebrating their oneness, to show them something of the beauty and mystery and wonder of Jesus' vulnerable, intimate giving of all of himself to us in the gospel. And so that is why Paul brings up same sex in naming the places here in our lives where, where we feel the impact of us attaching our hearts to other things than God. Because sex with the same gender, Paul says, it goes against nature, meaning it goes against what God created sex to be for husbands and wives uh, about the, the mystery of life and the mystery of Jesus' love for us in the gospel. Now, as I say all of that, maybe I lost you. And if that's the case, let's just talk about this more. Let's have a conversation. Reach out to me. Reach out to Pastor Brian. Let's engage on this more together. Uh, but maybe as I read all this, this is a part of your story. And if so, maybe it's something that you've been carrying alone. You may be married and have never shared this struggle with someone. You might be single and have never shared this struggle with anyone. In a passage like this, it can stir up layers of shame, grief, sadness, and loss that, that I can't pretend to imagine is like. And a few minutes of it in a sermon might feel more hurtful than helpful right now. If that's you, let me just say two things as an invitation. First, 
the places in our lives where we least think God wants to go are the places that he most desires to be in Jesus. And second, as Brian already said, this is a church for broken people who all need Jesus just as much as the person next to them, where we give each other the permission to struggle well. And so if this is part of your story, and you've been carrying it alone, reach out to someone. Let's walk through this together. But it's not just sex where Paul says we feel the impact of giving lesser things the love and devotion that God alone deserves. Starting in verse 29, he gives us this huge list of every form of brokenness that Paul says humanity has now become full of. Greed, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slander, arrogance, disobeying parents, faithlessness, lovelessness, mercilessness. In other words, wh where do we feel the impact of wrapping our hearts around good things instead of a good God who made us? Everywhere, in everyone. I mean, if you, if you made it through that list unscathed, come find me after church. I will buy you lunch today. And we can talk about how you didn't make it through that list unscathed. <laughs> Paul's saying here for some people, it might be something with sex. For other people, it, it might be envy, lying, bragging. Nobody gets through this list unscathed in both directions, in the ways we've wounded other people and in the ways that list names the ways we've been wounded. Because we know what it's like to be gossiped about, to be insulted, to not be given mercy. Guys, when, when we look at the world and our lives, we can see the original beauty that it was created in, but we can't help but notice that a bomb's gone off and we're all doing life in the rubble. The damage has been done in each and every one of us. So Paul shows us what's gone wrong. He shows us where we feel it. And lastly, Paul shows us who can make it right. Now, where I grew up in, in Syracuse, New York, it, it sits on what was, for all of my childhood, the most polluted lake in the country. Uh, a combination of industrial dumping and city sewage and mercury had turned it into this witch's brew of all sorts of awful, terrible things. Uh, it stunk when you drove past it. It still kind of stinks. Uh, there are all sorts of urban legends. If you eat a fish out of it, you'll glow in the dark at night. Uh, freshman initiation for the crew team was getting thrown into the lake, which is why I never joined the crew team. And, and for decades, it stayed that way. Because it had become such a mess, nobody knew how to clean it up. Nobody knew how to make it right. Paul is saying in this passage, the impact of us giving our ultimate affection to lesser things than our good and beautiful Father, it's so polluted the waters in our hearts that we can't clean it up. 
We need somebody who can come in and make it right. Uh, There's this phrase that Paul repeated three different times in this passage. Did you hear it when Shana read it? God gave them over. In verse 24, God gave them over to sinful desires. In verse 26, God gave them over to shameful lusts. In verse 28, God gave them over to a depraved mind. Uh, This is actually God's judgment in real time in our world for the ways that, that we've attached our hearts to other lovers. God actively giving us over to what we want. He lets us get more and more of what we think we need so that we can experience where it ultimately leads to. Why? To to rub our nose in it? No, to ultimately bring us to his saving love, which is where that phrase takes us. This phrase, God gave them over, it shows up again in Romans. Only this time when it does, it's not a word of judgment, but hope. In chapter 4 and chapter 8, Paul again says God gave somebody over to experience God's judgment for sin. Only this time, it's not you and me. It's Jesus. Jesus, whose heart was perfectly wrapped around God who always thought God was enough, who never let anything have more sway over him than his father's love for him. God gave him over to experience the death for sin that Paul says in our passage, we deserved. Why? Why would God do that? I mean, just think about the ways that God describes Jesus in the Bible. Wonderful, beloved, heir, prince, the son he loves, the one he's well pleased with, the one in whom his soul delights. Why would God endure the agony of giving over what he loves the most, his precious son, to endure the punishment for our sin? Why would Jesus... Who said in John's gospel, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own. Why would he willingly give himself over on the cross to be separated from the one that he loves the most? Paul tells us in Romans 8.32, God gave him over for you. In Romans 1, God gives us over to the desires of our heart. And in Romans 8, God gives Jesus over so they could get the desire of their heart, us. This is the divine longing of God, the yearning heart of Jesus that can finally woo us back to them that can allure our hearts to theirs, that can capture our affection, that that can wrap our hearts around the beauty of Jesus where we find the life and love we've always been looking for. 
When we look at our world and ourselves, guys, we can't help but notice as we see the original beauty that's created in that a bomb's gone off. And we are all doing life in the rubble. So who can repair the damage that has been done? Who can repair us? Jesus. Because we can't overcome this impulse to exchange the truth for a lie. To give our hearts away to good things instead of a good God who's made us. To worship and serve lesser things that that will ruin us and the people that we love. We need the power of the gospel. We need a love that is as indestructible as Jesus himself. We need God in Jesus to wrap his heart around ours and never let us go. And that's what he does in the gospel. So let your heart be drawn to Jesus today. Let's pray. Father, this is a hard passage. Some hard truths. So we need your Holy Spirit even more today to receive it and to lead us to wonderful truths about Jesus. Father, we can't change our hearts. We wish we could. It would be so much easier if we could. That's what we think. We can't change our hearts, but you can, and we need you to. We need you to wrap them around Jesus today, where we find that life and love that we've always been looking for. Amen.